This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. My name's James Manning, the editor of Media Week, and I'm joined as usual with Andrew Mercado, a general TV critic at large, contributor to A Current Affair, Jonesy and Amanda Radio Show, and contributor to Media Week podcast. Welcome back, Andrew. Hi there, James. Now, look, let's take off. We spent the last TV podcast with you speaking a lot about the new dramas that were coming up. There was on Seven, there was on Nine, there was a um, on Ten, the code was coming to an end on on the ABC. We'll just maybe think about where they're going um, critically, where they're going ratings-wise. Seems to me out of the bunch that included The Secret Daughter, Dr Doctor, Hide and Seek and The Wrong Girl, that Dr Doctor seems to be standing out as the audience favourite. Yeah, it's holding its ratings, isn't it? Week to week, it's still up there in the 800s and the high 800s and it's not losing its audience. And I, I noticed that The Wrong Girl really crashed and burned against it just last Wednesday. Sure. They went right down uh, when that was a very evenly matched contest. So I think the audience has spoken. And, you know, really, if we look if we look at those four new Australian dramas on commercial TV, I think that Dr. Doctor deserves to be the one that's winning because it's the one that's taking risks and not doing the same old cliched and tired stuff that you could maybe accuse some of the others of doing. And I don't want to accuse the others of not being good shows. They're all pretty good shows in their own right. It's just that some of them could be accused of doing the same old thing. Yes. And I think Dr. Doctor takes the same old thing but keeps flipping it around all the time and saying to its audience, it's not what you think it's going to be. We're going to do exactly the opposite. And I think in today's world where we're all used to watching cable dramas and and things like this, I think the audience likes to be surprised and they voted very well with Dr Doctor. Yeah, I saw a bit of that. I haven't seen a whole episode, to be honest, but um, the production values look pretty good, I thought, and the cast, it's a good cast. Yeah. And... Um you know, Roger Corser, isn't it? And, Roger Corser's uh, doing a great doing, yeah, job. He's a you great know? sort of lead. I really like him in that role. And, yeah. You know. Uh, he's good at being morally corrupt, you know. Yes. Yeah. it's uh, He's likeable, but you know that he's a bit of a bad boy and he's, he's pulling off the two sides to that guy very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no it's good stuff. The um, Secret Daughter, you had a couple of problems with Secret Daughter. Didn't you? Have you sort of checked back in at all? Or? I'm still watching it week watching by week it? religiously because it's so bad. I, I reckon we should create a drinking game around Jessica Malboy breaking into song. She's like Mary Poppins. Every t- She doesn't just, because the mechanism of the plot now has moved her from her country town into the city to, you know, reconnect with this brand new white family that she's found, there's no reason for her to sing anymore. I'm sure she's going to start singing at their pub. Conveniently, they seem to own one. Um, So what happens is that she just keeps bursting into song. Mm. And it's like, oh, yeah, I was apparently conceived to this song. And then off she goes and breaks into this song. I I counted her singing like four times in the third episode which screens soon and just went oh dear so Mm, yeah it's not one of my favorites i was a little bit surprised that the whole secret daughter thing was resolved in that first episode and i was wondering where the show was going to go from there because i guess obviously to get her to 
meet the other family members, but yeah. um, I still thought that might have dragged out a little bit longer. Well, and where we're at now is she she pretended to be the secret daughter and took a DNA test waiting for the result to come back and say it wasn't her, and, of course, then mm. she found out it actually was her. I mean, what are the chances? <laughs> I mean, this is a show that's operating in this alternate universe where the most incredibly coincidental things are happening, um, and uh, I'm not buying it. Yeah, hide and seek again. I've I've dipped in and out of that one. I just found that family life of um, Matt and Abel and the Zoe um, Zoe Ventura, hus- their husband and wife, aren't yeah. they, with kids. I just wasn't buying that for some reason. It, I don't know. He looks too old for her. Perhaps it's just hard to for me to buy them as a couple. I've just seen it all before. Is that too I, harsh? No, I don't think so. I've seen it all before, and I'm told that episode two is better. And so I'm taping it, but because my IQ on a Monday night is bursting at the seams <laughs> at 8.30, I'm actually series linked an encore, which screened, maybe it screened last night. So I know it's there to watch, and I will keep uh, sticking with it. But, yeah, it's just, it hasn't kicked into that international thriller yet that they've promised, and mm. when it, I can't wait for it to kick into that because at the moment it's a suburban cop show. Well, that's right. I mean, I... It's been sold to me with these elements of exciting international intrigue and here yeah. they are in this very, quite an ordinary domestic set which could have been on Neighbours or something sitting around the kitchen table and it sort of wasn't quite doing it for me. And The Wrong Girl, again, I haven't really bought into that yet. It seems bubbly and perky and, and a bit fun and I'm sort of intrigued by the setting in the, the TV channel. Look, I like it because it is colourful and it is fun. But, you know, a lot of people are saying to me, oh, it's, it's too much Bridget Jones or it's too similar to Offspring. You know, another blonde neurotic girl running around Melbourne uh, trying to figure out her complicated love life, you know. It, yes. It's likeable. Jessica Mariah is very likeable and Craig McLaughlin's hilarious as that breakfast show host. I do think it's ironic, though, that they use this, the Channel 10 voiceover to advertise that breakfast show on Channel 10. It's just so <laughs> hilarious that we've had... They've spent so much money, haven't they, on breakfast and wake-up and failed at two breakfast shows, and yet now they've I got know. this the breakfast show one. as the, the premise for a, a drama. It's funny. Yeah, it's a bit ironic, isn't it? The um, interesting seeing um, Craig McLaughlin on that at the same time he's appearing on SBS in yeah. um, Deep Water, isn't it? You know, the... Very different character. Very different character. And, you know, he did it well. He was he was very menacing on Deep Water. And Deep Water, I noticed, just absolutely did not maintain its ratings as it headed towards Part 3 and particularly Part 4. And, and I'm not surprised about that because I thought that the end of it was just completely silly and ridiculous. I understand what they were doing. They're creating a fictional story against this backdrop of real-life gay hate crime Crime, but I thought that the stuff that they were doing with Jeremy Lindsay Taylor, who was great, but him in a pair of Speedos, leaving the Mardi Gras, finding the one street in Surrey Hills that wasn't bursting at the seams that night where he was tracking the killer, who he knew was the killer, and doing his own detective work. I mean, who would put themselves in danger like that? It's so ridiculous. And you've got cops running around in their suits trying to track down a killer in a nightclub full of men with their shirts off using a dating app going, oh, he's seven metres, he must be over 
over there. I mean, are you kidding me? It was really dumb. And it makes me realise now that they're airing that Deep Water The Real story on Sunday night, which I noticed TV Tonight has given five out of five stars really? in their review wow. and said it's absolutely magnificent. What a missed opportunity that they spent all that time creating a fictional miniseries, which turned out to be not very good, yes. why didn't they go the really hard-hitting way that the John Bonet Ramsey story and Making a Murder on Netflix did and really go for a hard four-part investigation of those crimes? Apparently, the, the one show they do on Sunday night is magnificent. What a shame they didn't put all that energy into making that a longer-form, incredible real-life documentary and forget about all this ridiculous fictional stuff they came up with. Noah Taylor. I quite liked him at the start. Yeah. And I really like his screen presence, but he almost overpowers it and, dare I say, overacting? I don't know, is it? But he's... I don't know. Maybe that's his... The other characters aren't... I like him too, but I agree with you. I felt that he was miscast. I I didn't buy him and Yale Stone from Orange is the New Black as this crack team of detectives. Mm. There was this scene in the last episode where they ran through a a graveyard to catch someone that was running away from them. Now, quite quite frankly, Yale Stone, she's that short with those little legs. I I wasn't buying that... Noah Taylor and her was fast enough to catch this guy. And they did. They both got to him and overpowered him. I was like, please. I just, I didn't really think she was good in it. I didn't buy her he's as almost, a cop. He's almost too hip, though, isn't he? He's got yeah. the sunglasses on and he's like, a, messy a, he's like a De Niro character from some big Hollywood blockbuster. And it yeah. somehow doesn't seem right for a cop working Bondi Beach. The but. suit didn't quite fit him. Yeah, I just thought that they were miscast. I just, I just thought Deep Water, the miniseries, started off well, but mm. just did not hold Although up. I think I'm enjoying it probably more than you. I mean, I'm, I've still got two episodes to go and I'm the only one left in our household still persevering. But, <laughs> right. But I think I'm liking it. I mean, but, but I do worry in general I like too much stuff, you know. My critical facilities aren't as developed as yours. And, <laughs> oh, and I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a bit of a sucker because part of me, when I buy into a show, I just want to... I want to persevere and I want to keep enjoying it. So yeah. I, I think I'd probably make allowances. So but do you get that? If you buy in, you think, well, I'm going to see this through, or do you still see it through and let yourself be critical? Oh, look, so I, I want I to like, like getting things. Out, you know, I think, well, I've, yeah. it's bloody, I've, I've given this show four hours. I'm not going to give up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, look, um, I can be harsh sometimes and just say I'm just not doing this anymore. Um, But particularly with Australian dramas, I really want to like them. I I don't go in there looking for things to pick apart. I hate doing that. I've been on the other side. You know, I've worked on dramas and and watched critics dismiss our work, you know, week after week in the paper. It's horrible. But I think you have to be realistic and say these shows are great and these ones aren't so great. So could we all look towards what's great and working and copy that rather than go back to these same tired concepts and, and premises. Which sort of leads me to Brock. Yeah. Now, Brock, I was there sitting till the very end on Monday night. Me too. Really enjoying it, actually. That, and I was loving, um, as the ageing Peter Brock... Um, Pete Matthew Lenevez. Lenevez, yes. Yeah. I, thought he did, I thought he really came out a little bit in that second episode. As a, yeah. He really portrayed Brock well. A bro, a Brock well. <laughs> yeah. Um, Natalie Bathingthwaite, is that? Yeah, Bathingthwaite. Um, yes. Um, 
I, th- I thought she was looked like an underrated actress to me. I thought she did a good job. Yeah. And um, Steve Bisley. Oh, Steve Bisley was magnificent. He yeah. I thought he stole all the scenes he was in. I actually you thought know? that too. It was, it was really good. He brought that. Steve Bisley's almost become our new Bill Hunter, hasn't he? Yes. It's yeah. like if you've got to have that kind of really uh, Aussie bloke. Grizzly sort of, yeah. you know, no nonsense. And he just brings it every time. Mm. He's good in Doctor Doctor. But, yeah, I agree with you. I thought he was outstanding in Brock. Um, I thought Brock, I've got to say... There were times I felt it looked a little bit cheap. And maybe that's because they didn't have access to that real race footage. Mm. That stuff they were recreating. Oh, was I thought c- they did a pretty good job. They though. did a good job. There was no real jarring thinking. No. they seemed to have real, you know, in the times they matched it up yeah. with, with um, Lenevez sitting in a car. Didn't look dissimilar to the real race footage they had. And yeah. They just didn't have the crowds of people. Every time I saw those cars going around the track, I was like, what, didn't anybody go to Bathurst that year? You know, and that's because, you know, Seven wouldn't give them permission to use. I mean, how petty can you get? I mean, for God's sake, give them the footage. Let them make the story about the Australian hero, even though his reputation's a bit tarnished now. Or sell them the footage, do a deal. Do the deal. And if you do a nice thing for them, down the track, Ten might do a nice thing for you, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I just thought that was really unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, no, but I, I must say on the whole, I, I really enjoyed Brock. Very disappointing, those second night numbers, weren't yeah. they? Audience dropped down to 500. Yeah. I think it debuted somewhere in about eight, which which wasn't bad. Someone pointed out it was similar to what I think the Packer Murdoch Wars, which didn't rate fantastically right. well. That was around that area. Yeah, but, but that was most, a few years ago, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, but most of those other Aussie sort of miniseries have done ballpark numbers haven't yeah. they? just fantastic stuff but. so of course the accusation was was throwing that the there was the audience was turned off by the revelations in part one that he was uh philanderer and Alan well maybe didn't treat women maybe didn't treat well, women yeah. so well yeah, yeah. and and I really thought I mean that, yeah, of course there's different versions of this story but we never actually saw him hit a woman did no, we no. they made a very good point of not showing that and just say oh we mm. we understand they that implied been, that yeah they implied he it could have been better behaved but yeah. i don't think that was done i don't think that would have been a turn off no i mean i think so I'm, I'm i'd get turned off with something like that was I'd prefer to hear the truth. I don't want to hear some, let's not pretend it didn't happen. If it happened and two of his wives um, allegedly say that he hit them, you've got to cover that in in the man's life story. Sorry. Now, I should know who wrote this, but there was a piece somewhere online about we've got to get over this thing about portraying rich Aussie white guys or something. Right, yeah. In our miniseries, and they said, look, we've still got Paul Hogan to come, and, you know, it's just a whole litany... I'm not sure if I buy into that. I don't know. Look, I must admit, I don't know who wrote it either, and I did actually go looking because, uh, believe it or not, I was watching it live on Monday night, and it came to that scene where he got into the car and he was holding his head like there was something wrong with his head, and I'm like, okay, clearly he's going to get into the car and this is the end. He's going to crash. Problem was, James, in the commercial break, I switched over to Q&A and they were finishing up the episode and they went on next week on the show, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, oh, well, that's the end of Q&A. So I switched off the 
TV set and went to bed. Whoop. And about 20 minutes later, I was lying there. I thought, holy crap, I didn't watch the end of Brock. <laughs> so the next day I hopped on 10 play to watch that last segment. And while I was there, I thought, I don't know who wrote this, so it might be there. Because they always say, don't they, for the full credits, just go to the 10 website. But it wasn't a 10 play. Oh, it was. Well, it wasn't there. As, as I was looking at the episode oh, two that, thing, getting ready to play it, I thought maybe the credits will be here as to who made this show. Oh, oh they weren't on the... But you could click on a link. They always say what they do now is the new Norman That is, was the first time I'd seen that, actually. Yeah, well, I was, one of the reasons I stayed up was to see the bloody credits. Yeah. So no. I was a little bit disappointed when it, there were none and it said go to 10 play. They, they, they've been doing it during, during Offspring and all those okay. shows. It comes up and it says, for the credits, please go to 10, blah, 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 and they give you this address to go to and it's there for like three seconds, so you've <laughs> got to be a maniac to write it down in time. But I just thought, oh, here I am on the 10 play site. There's all this information about Brock here, it might be there. It wasn't. So clearly there's another place on the 10 website oh, you've got to go to look up the credits. Sorry, yeah. that's too hard. I did find them, but yeah, it was um, it wasn't easy. Yeah. The um, That last scene, that was great, that montage, I thought. They did a very good job of that. Yeah. And they obviously could use some of their own footage for they that. They obviously had some news footage, didn't they? Yeah, 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 which was good. It was real good. And I loved the, uh, the Aussie music soundtrack. I think they did a great job with that. And they did a really interesting um, kind of backup uh, through the week on Studio 10. They okay. had the character that Natalie Bassingthwaite oh. played there live in the studio being grilled by Ita Buttrose. It was like a long interview. They went to a commercial break in the middle. They had Peter Brock's brother there. Uh, Ida asked a lot of difficult questions. Um, and, I, and I noticed that Studio 10 was sort of patting themselves on the back this day. I understand that they've beaten Today Extra for the first time ever. Okay. The rating's slowly climbing. So, yeah, but... Well, uh, that, that sort of stuff, they're doing good work, if, you know, yeah. when they do that those sort of things. I mean, it's, it's hard to watch it. Uh, you've got to record it if you're, you're busy, aren't you? And, but it's probably worth doing to to see things like that. Now, is it Philip Brock, I think, might be the brother? I'm not sure Yeah, of his I can't name. remember what his but name But I think was. he actually gave the trophy out at... Um, at Bathurst on oh, Sunday okay. at the end of the race. And someone told me that Natalie, Natalie Bassingthwaite sang the national anthem. Yes. Were you watching yes. it from the beginning? No. Right, no, okay. No, no, I didn't see that. I saw the end of the race. Yeah, right. You're talking about the real race now. The real race, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently she sang the anthem. I know she, she was up the there, yeah, yeah. She was there yeah. for the whole day. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, no, I enjoyed that. It did very well. Um, just on characters not completely likeable, I think we both watched National Treasure yes. this week. Wow, wasn't that a good show? Wow, I've watched uh, all four parts uh, have of it. You? Yeah, I had okay. to binge it. Once I started, I couldn't well, careful, stop. careful, no spoilers, please. But, yeah, so it's ABC Thursday nights, 8.30, which was to be an Australian drama slot all year, but yeah. they haven't quite kept up the pace. Sort of understandable because it was a really big commitment. But this is great. Robbie Coltrane portraying a British TV host. In his senior years, yep. um, part of a duo that's very famous and successful, um, and he's accused of a rape from 20 years in his past. Now, he, you're quite warm to him at the start, but by the end of the show, I really had my doubts about his character. Did you find that? And well, that's the the, the skill of uh, the, the writing mm. and the performances, and you know, and you've got Julie Walters as the Suffering wife, wife who Who's is standing great, by she? him. Mm. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot going on there. And then the daughter, who has issues. Mm. Why does she have issues? Mm. And 
all this stuff starts coming out of the woodwork and I've watched the last episode it's a four part series it's only just finished airing in the UK it's from Channel 4 and they don't do a lot of drama you know most of the dramas we see here are from ITV or BBC but this is a Channel 4 drama and to get Robbie Coltrane and Julie Walters I mean they're both so magnificent uh, and you've also got New Zealand actress in there Kerry Fox who stars in a lot of our shows and okay. movies she was in The Dressmaker and Cloud Street and all that amazing actress and these amazing things all the time where the camera is out of focus and it slowly becomes clear. And I think that's a metaphor for the whole show, actually. These events from 20 years ago that people are trying to figure them out. And then, of course, as they zero in and the pieces start to fall back into place... Uh, it's not a pretty picture. Mm. Um, fantastic show, and, and you know, very. Uh, it, it reminded me a lot of the Rolf Harris situation. You know, where he was going to court with his wife and daughter standing by him, and it was almost like this is a fictional peek into what could be going on behind the scenes. Yeah, Ama- and amazing performances by those actors. Just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and um, Robbie Coltrane's character re- references some of the former, I think, BBC personalities yeah, that have been Jimmy in, in Bro- Yeah, Jimmy Savile. And Opera- been in, Operation in, Petrie um, or U- something, yeah. Utree, something like that, yeah. the name they had for it. Yeah, yeah it's definitely uh, within this time frame and they definitely reference it. Yeah, yeah, so it's good. Another... Um, British drama I'm actually looking a lot forward to and I'm thanks to you alerted me to it's actually starting this weekend and it got a lot of hype in the UK it was a big deal there but it's sort of just slipping on air here without too much um, fanfare Victoria yeah I just watched am I I right it's not getting a lot of media is it so, and it's a pretty important, I think, um, drama, isn't it? It got a lot of press in the UK because exactly. it was up against Polduck on the That's BBC right. and there was yeah. this big battle and Victoria edged it out, mm. edged out Polduck. And uh, this stars Jenna Coleman, who came from Emmerdale and into a starring role on Doctor Who and left Doctor Who to do this, as you would. This is a great role to play... Victoria as she's handed the throne as a young girl and having to rely on the Prime Minister of the day being played by Rufus Searle. So in that respect, it it's it it you know, it's sort of very similar to what the Queen on Netflix is going to be when it starts next month. Right. But it feels to me I wasn't... I'd be fascinated to know what you thought after watching the first episode because I was a little bit underwhelmed. Oh, yeah. Because to me it feels like the show, not surprisingly, is positioning itself to be the new Downton Abbey. And by doing that, there are all these sort of subplots about the staff in the house and the new German baroness who says, we must cut costs. And so there's this huge subplot about cheaper candles versus taper candles and you're going uh, you know okay i get that you're trying to create that vibe again but seriously if there's not enough drama going on with the story of queen victoria we're in trouble here guys um so i've watched one ep and and i won't be going back for more really however and i say that what, what was fascinating about this was that gogglebox uk has really been pushing it and yep. the what, what they but what has been capturing their attention there is these sort of 
are sex scenes between Victoria and Prince Albert and the sort of the heavy petting that's going on before they get married. And then when they do get married, she sort of gets given some really ridiculous advice on what to do not to fall pregnant because she doesn't want to fall pregnant straight away. Um, and, and that led to some, you know, quite amusing responses from the Gogglebox audience watching that. So, you know, they are, once I th- Prince Albert comes onto the scene, it's going to very much switch into being that love story. But I've got a lot of things to watch and I can't do it. I haven't <laughs> right. got time. Yeah, no, I'll be, because I like a good royal uh, drama. You know what I would tell you to watch, though, yes. instead of it, though, yes. as a replacement? And it started on BBC first through the week last, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. And you know they repeat yep. the hell out of stuff. Mum, okay. starring Leslie Manville, Manville, and it's almost like a half hour, very subtle observational comedy. And it opens with this woman on the day of her husband's funeral, and she's got a nice but hopeless son, a really inappropriate girlfriend that he brings to the house to come to this funeral and then the relatives start arriving and the the best mate who's clearly got his eye on the new widow and it's just this really beautifully observed quiet show but I loved it and every episode takes place on a day a month after this funeral okay. so the, the guy gets buried in January and then the next episode takes place in February on Valentine's Day so all the relatives pop around are you okay <laughs> just checking on you it's fabulous mum track it down if you, if you can only watch one British show this week I'd be watching mum rather than Victoria that's yeah. my tip Okay, well, I'm sure I'll find some time to try and do both. So that'll be just, and that's half hour each week. That's yeah, well, being I, released. Think screen, I don't know whether it's they're screening two episodes back to back. It runs for an hour every week, so there's only four episodes of it. But oh, Leslie okay. Manfield does films with Mike Lee, and she's just brilliant in yes. this. Yes, so only four half hours. Four hours. Oh, four hours. Maybe eight half that's... hours, but they're airing it as four hours. I'm not quite sure how they've done it, but. Okay. We, we went from the January funeral to the Valentine's Day within the first episode yes. this week. Yeah. Yep, yep. Oh, it sounds fascinating. Now, staking with our royal theme, you're lucky enough to have seen the first one or two episodes. Two of, episodes. Two eps of The Crown. Yeah, wow. And tell us a little bit about that. Well, this is possibly the world's <laughs> most expensive television series ever. Mm. It's just pipped Baz Luhrmann's hip-hop for uh, Netflix, The Get Down. So The Crown... So this is basically, if you remember back to The Queen with Dame Helen Mirren, and then Dame Helen Mirren went onto the stage in another version of that called The Audience... And the so the Queen focused on the death of Princess Diana. The audience focused on Queen Elizabeth's relationships with all those prime ministers over the years. Both of them written by the same guy, Peter Morgan. Now he's doing this new one, The Crown, which is a combination of both things. So starting with Princess Elizabeth, when her father, King George VI, first starts coughing up blood and realises there's something terribly wrong. And you follow that as he becomes more and more unwell until, of course, when she's going to take over as the Queen. And so there's 10 episodes in Series 1. Morgan plans six seasons, 60 episodes, 
he is on to a winner. I mean, yeah. it is fantastic. You know, the acting is incredible. You've got John Lithgow playing Winston Churchill, the first wow. Prime Minister <laughs> that she starts dealing with. And John Lithgow recorded a special message for the welcome to the first Australian okay. viewing of these two episodes. You know, so they went to a lot of uh, effort in the Telstra Theatre in the city to show the crowd. And I couldn't see many media people there. I don't know who they... Who who it was in the room, but it was a younger crowd because okay. Netflix skews younger. Mm. And I think this is a really bold uh, move by them to get those people that have never streamed anything in their life, but are maybe of an age where they could not resist wanting to watch The Crown and they're going to have to find someone to explain to them, how do I watch this? Because you won't want to miss this. The Crown could well be the television event of the year. I'm just having a quick look through the cast. There's a lot of not a lot of names that ring many bells with me. So no. So you've got um, Claire Foy playing Queen Elizabeth, the young uh, one. Yeah. The young one. Yep. And but of course, as the She'll series progresses, with it, think, and... she will be replaced. Oh, okay. I've already said that, that that it'll be different actresses over the years. Right. Um, you've got Doctor Who's Matt Smith playing Prince Philip, and there were two scenes where he. Oh got out of bed in the nude and you saw his bum so of course my friend who's a bit of a royal watcher who came with me he was like this sounds shocking seeing prince philip's bare bum you know but i think that's great i think that's them being you know admitting that the this has got to be a modern take on it and prince philip was in the navy he probably slept in the nude so we're not going to be coy about this he's going to get out of bed and he's going to be in the nude and welcome to 2016 so you know i i just think it's a really fascinating way to do a piece of modern history that could maybe draw in some crowds from all ages right okay do you without giving much away can i ask you does she get to the throne in that in what you've yes. seen? So in those first two episodes, she's in the first two. By, what do you call it? It's not ordained, is it? What do they yeah, call it? Um, um, coronation. Coronation. Look, it, coronation. by the by the end of episode two, King George the sixth was it the sixth? Whatever. He's played by yep. Jared Harris by Mad Men. Whatever. Okay. I mean, this is important. Yes, but yes. her father, King George, he is very unwell. You see this really uh, incredibly graphic operation in this huge ballroom in one of the palaces where they remove one of his lungs and wrap it up in newspaper. I mean, these the little touches like this, things that you just... Yeah, George VI. Yeah, yeah, King George VI. So he eventually, you know that he's unwell and that he's soldiering on and pretending that everything's okay. So they get into all the politics of all of that. Is the king unwell and who's he going to tell him? Who's going to figure out that he's wearing makeup and maybe not that well at all, Mm. as well as John Lithgow at Winston Churchill? And then, of course, all that political intrigue that's going on in the House of Commons because Winston Churchill is really old and doddery. And in one scene, he pulls down his fly in the middle of a parliament meeting and turns around and is about to start pissing onto the wall. Mm. You know, so you're seeing all of these incredible things that you just don't expect to see in that sort of drama. It's absolutely riveting. Yeah, yeah. That's... um up very soon, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so it's be... politics and royalty. Yeah. And it begins on Netflix on uh, November the 4th. 
Now they'll have that those first ten eps will be. I all believe there. so. I believe they'll drop the whole thing like they do all well, their shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they, they move pretty quickly on it, didn't they? Really, they sure do. They yeah. seem to have something new every week, don't they? Yeah. That's their strategy. Yeah, yeah. And no, I think that I'll do very well. It sounds to me like one of those shows that that could motivate somebody to sign up if I they, believe so. They haven't already, you know, because not all the shows would make you do that, you know. No, I, I think um, that one certainly would with me. Um, now, going back to what we... You talked a little bit about social media at the start. You were talking about um, the critical reaction, what people say on social media. Now, I think I think it was Andrew Fenton. I might be wrong. People should check that. But he wrote a piece, I think, in News Corp later in the week just wondering about the power of Twitter on TV programs. Yeah. And he talked about, you know, could it make or break a show... Or does it just reflect a reason why a program might not rate well? Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's the latter. I think that Twitter is a reflection of what the audience is thinking. I don't think it's making or breaking shows. I mean, uh, the, the flip side of that is to have a look at what's happening on Twitter the night that The Bachelor or The Bachelorette kicks off that new season and mm. everyone's there watching that first episode as all the new contestants walk out. And if you're looking on Twitter that night, you'd think, oh, my God, this is the biggest show in TV. The ratings for this are going to be huge. And then the ratings come out the next day and look at it the bachelorette is down in the ratings yeah. yes it's hitting the demos and yes the girls are watching it and yes there's a lot of social media talk but you know you you you, you 10 can't be happy with 600,000 viewers for the bachelorette season two that's disappointing um so yeah i don't think i think that twitter reflects what the audience thinks and there could be a clue in there if something doesn't work or something starts dropping off one of the reasons could be the way the audience is reacting the way that fenton has suggested yeah look i've just pulled that up it is actually andrew fenton yeah, yeah right. so it's a probably a piece uh worth reading because they're, they're inter- interesting questions he raises i, I think maybe early on um Twitter now it's particular who's that English comedian had Ben that? Elton yeah Ben Elton you keep going back to that Ben Elton yeah. story at nine when the sh- when Twitter was probably a bigger deal than it is now right it was still a shiny new thing yeah and seemed quite powerful and I know definitely at nine nine was talking about having a a special um, metric they could use to sort of use Twitter stats to sort of get feedback I don't think you could do that now no. on a show's ratings performance but. Um, Twitter was sort of used as the reason why, you know, that show probably um, yeah just, you know, got killed off very quickly. And Ben Elton talks about that to this day. Does he? says, you know, that some of his earlier works in the 80s wouldn't survive today because you've got that social media audience sitting in judgment now. Yeah. Whereas once upon a time, that audience might have been sitting at home going, this is crap, but then by episode three or four, because there was a lot less choice back then, they go, oh, actually, maybe this isn't so bad after all, you mm. know, because... Comedy is one of those things where you've got to give it a bit of time to breathe. Yeah. Um, talking of comedies, I mean, the, the two Aussie shows we haven't talked about is the, you know, Upper Middle Bogan, which came back for its third series this week, and Rosehaven. Yes. And I know a lot of people who watched Rosehaven liked it, um, and certainly I thought that first episode of Upper Middle Bogan was very funny as they moved into their minimalist <laughs> modern house, and Patrick Brammel was all frayed at the edges because the Bogans were trying to audition for the block and wanted to bring in the the throw rugs. I thought it was very, very funny. Yeah. 
did rated okay. Rated okay. Should have rated better. Still down on Sutherland. It's interesting. The audience actually climbed a little bit for Rosehaven, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Which was on after it, I think, at nine o'clock. So that's that's an encouraging, you know, stat that 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 could do well. Yeah. Um, just on that too, I've had a bit of a chat with. Um, Tom Gleeson about his, I think it's Hard Quiz. Hard Quiz. I've watched so, an episode. Almost a spin-off of Hard Talk. Yeah. I love the premise that this is celebrity-free. Yeah, totally. Got, thank God we haven't got a panel of celebrities trying to answer these questions. Yeah. They're just normal folk, in, in quote marks, um, some with specialist subjects that they can um, get quizzed on. Others just have to take general knowledge or some of Tom's um, special subjects. So tell us about that first episode. What so do you the, think? the concept is that they do have specialist subjects, but if they can't answer the question, it's open to anybody else on the panel who might be able to answer the question. But the hilarious premise of the show is that Tom's hard on them, just like he was on his when he interviewed people on Charlie Pickering's show. But he more or less has obviously encouraged the contestants to be hard on him because they insult him. They give it back as much as he gives it to them. It's it's funny, you know, and I watched an episode of it and I thought, yeah, this is certainly a new way to do a quiz show and uh, I laughed a few times. I had a good chat with him and we'll, it'll be in the next media week, but he talked to some of the shows, he, uh, he's auditioned for a hell of a lot of stuff, yeah. but he didn't get some quite big name franchises um, and he sort of looks back and he thinks, yeah, well, maybe it was meant to be, but he's he's very excited about this new program uh, from Kevin White. Um, and uh, Charlie Pickering yep. are involved in that. So they're sort of they have a little production company. I think it's Thinkative TV. It's called. Yeah. Is it Charlie Walker? I think's the executive producer. So um, yeah, interesting to see how this goes. It's got a good time slot, eight pm on uh, Wednesday night. So it could do a reasonable night. And you know what? It's a format that you could probably sell internationally um, if you get a Tom Gleason type person a person that's a little bit cranky and <laughs> you know that mm. you know it, that's the sort of host you need for I love Tom Gleason I, th- I think he's so funny yeah um, and you know I really dig his sense of humor and, and the show's great yes yep no it's good good to see him doing well um, I we're talking about TV ratings I just want to mention home and away to you because those sort of numbers they're not going great either, you know. No. It's it's um, just hovering above nine uh, seven hundred thousand these yep. days. And just I think last year and the year before, you'd get the odd million every now and then, but certainly never happens now. I haven't been looking at the neighbours numbers very lately. I don't oh, know. look, the neighbours numbers are just bad. Look, they're, yeah. they're not even in the top twenty anymore, James. I of look every day on that Media yeah. Week newsletter that they don't make the top twenty, which means they could be hovering around one hundred and fifty thousand. Mm. So that's a loss of maybe fifty thousand just this year. And even this week, when they had a big hot air balloon crash and and elsewhere a drone causing a motorbike accident. I mean, they're throwing everything possible there um, and the audience here in Australia and in the UK continues Do to those storylines get reported much? I suppose TV Week probably still takes an interest. TV Week does, it, though. And if you look I never at- see them in the sort of online no. for any what's the latest plot in um, no Home and Away doesn't get much um, much of a mention either I must say look Home and Away if you read TV Week it's still all yeah. over oh, yeah, TV yeah, Week they're still over you know, it, I think, and I that's find about it, isn't Home and Away's plot's very repetitive yeah. it's just always someone being kidnapped or you know well, it's all those sort of protection. romances between those the characters yeah. which I don't write best some of that core audience is interested in that stuff but it just seems to go nowhere to me it's one you know, week they're on, next week they're off. Yeah. Oh, we're thinking about getting back on. You know. Yeah, well. yep, yep. It's honestly, it. 
Yeah, see, I think story-wise at the moment that Neighbours is, is the more interesting show. Um, You're always doing a bit more of a fan of that, though, haven't you? Yeah, and, and, I've been, and I've been saying that for about a year now, yeah. that, you know, ever since the River Boys have left Home and Away, <laughs> it's become very um, samey-same for They've me. They've had a replacement, have they? no. And they've brought in the Morgans, who turned out to be in witness protection. Whoop-de-doo, you know. <laughs> Everyone could see that coming a mile off. Um, and and Avis continues to do all this sort of weird, nutty, interesting stuff. They've got two twins at the moment, two blokes in the show, uh, who they're not actually identical twins. One's a bit taller than the other. Um, and they're just... They just have these sort of kind of slightly crazy stories um, that that I still, you know, I, I, I one week I'll say, oh no, nothing's doing it for me, but they always get me back. Then I pick up TV Week and read about it and go, oh, actually no, they're going to crash a hot air balloon. I'll watch this and boom, suddenly I'm back in for the week. You know, next week they're going on Family Feud. Um, the neighbours. Yep. Stories are going on Family Feud, and then so the Colette Man character, or just in the show, within the show, within the show, Colette Man's character is going to take the rest of her family onto Family Feud on Tuesday night, and then on Tuesday night, Colette Man playing Colette Man will be part of the Prisoner team going up against the cast of Wentworth. Yes. For the all-star family feud that night. So, so is it, there is bloody a hell, that's a lot of Grant Denyer, isn't it? So that's <laughs> two hours of Grant Denyer on 10 Monday and Tuesday nights. Yes, yeah. Well, just Tuesday night, actually. Um, anything else you've been watching, sort well, of taking yes. your interest? We've got to talk about episode two of Westworld. Mm, I've only seen ep one. So right, far. you've got to watch ep two. <laughs> I'd read this, yes. and it, it's taken me all week to finally find some time. And last night I watched episode two. And episode two was what I always thought Westworld was going to be. I found that first episode a little bit esoteric. Mm. I couldn't figure out what was going on. I was confused. Being a fan of the original movie, I was... It didn't really knock you over, did it? I didn't understand it. I just... This is going to be just droids. Yes. Sliding it out. Then in episode two, you get what I was always wanting. You get two new... You get two guests arriving... The guests go through this sort of orientation thing where they arrive in a sleek train and get told, there's your Western costume and, you know, all so this So it's a bit better of... explained yes. what's happening. Because they really glossed over that in the start. I wasn't sure who was a droid, who was a guest. Well, see, they weren't guests in the original ep- first episode. They were all robots. They were all that robots. James Mar- Marsden character was a robot. Uh, I literally... Even the people on the train sort of... No, some of the people on the train were guests. Right. But the James Marsden character was a droid arriving with the guests and it was this thing inside the robot. Oh, so I couldn't make head nor tail <laughs> of it. I had to read lots yep. to figure out what was going on. In episode two, it makes a lot more sense. Two new characters, two best friends that work together. They arrive. One guy's been to the park many times before. The other guy's a little bit shy and not too sure, and his mate's saying, oh, mate, this is going to be the making of you. You wait. <laughs> you see them go through the whole process, and then they arrive into the town. And meanwhile in the town, Thandy Newton, who's playing the brothel owner, she is starting to malfunction a little bit more than everybody else. And so what they do is they switch her mechanism overnight because the they don't want to sleep with her in the brothel. And so they go, you know what, make her just a little bit more, maybe she's got to be a little bit more aggressive. Yeah. And that turns into her becoming so aggressive that actually scares the guests away even more. They still don't want to sleep with her. So now we're getting into some really interesting stuff. So now I'm in. Right. It's okay. all about episode two of Westworld. 
I really liked the character then. I can't remember her name. Evan um, Rachel Wood is the sort of... She was good, but she's a droid, right? She's a, a droid, robot. Dolores, yep, yeah, in yep. the town. Um, the girl from um, Borgen, the... Um, oh, yes, who's Danish working drama. one of the... She's one of the, the people working... She's one working. of the people working the robot. The she's sort of yes. in charge. Yes. Um, now, she the she doesn't want to cut corners, but some of the other... Um, oh Babbitt Nunston or something right. like that's the name. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, but there's... that's I find that sort of... And that'll develop, no doubt, that yes. sort of... Yes. That side of it, the conflicts they have with their... Oh, look, this guy's not that damaged, you know, we could let him go on, saying, no, 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 you can't have, you know... Yeah. You've just got to get in there and fix it straight away and... I noticed that the ratings in the US remained really strong for episode two. So I'd say now that if people have watched episode two, they'll be like me. They're off and running. They're there. Yeah. But I thought they, they crashed here in Australia. They weren't mm. to flash on Foxtel I mean, for episode two. It a did lot of, well on episode one, yeah. but it was a public holiday, remember? Yeah. There's a lot of hype about this replacing Game of Thrones, yeah. perhaps as, you know, as um, HBO's big, big ticket drama. It's hard to see that, though, really, isn't it? Yeah. But then again, when Game of Thrones, first couple of apps, who would have thought that it'd take off the way it did? You know? Yeah. So it'd be um, premature, perhaps, to prejudge where this show might go. And let's not forget that in the original Westworld, the movie, there were three worlds. There was there was like this Roman world and then there was also a very Game of Thronesy type world where they were doing jousting in and knights of the round table and all of that. There were three amusement parks, the Wild West, Roman world with everyone in togas and the uh, the kind of Camelot world. So, I don't know, maybe Westworld can open up that universe more in the future. I actually see the potential there. I understand now why HBO went in there and said, let's delay this and get this right, because if indeed they've planned it as well as they say they've planned it, it could become quite fascinating. As the Ed Harris character... I found him a little bit confusing that first episode. Well, I was super confused by the Ed Harris character because he's playing the character that Yul Brynner played in the movie. Is that explained more in the second ep? Yeah, well, see, the part I didn't understand from that first episode is that the black gunslinger was a guest. He wasn't a robot. He's a psychopath who's coming to the park to kill and rape and maim. Wow people and he's clearly one twisted individual whereas in the movie Yul Brynner as the black gunslinger was the guy that got shot a thousand times by the guests and one day he decided to shoot back and he was unstoppable so that switch I didn't realize that until I read about it and then when I read it and went oh Ed Harris is a guest then now I'm starting to understand why he's such a dangerous person is there too much good drama on TV? <laughs> well, I mean, it's hard, isn't it, to, to yeah. watch what you want to. Yeah. And it, to me, not so much me, but I've got friends who say, look, I just can't jump from show to show because I just forget. You, yeah. you can't watch, I don't know, eight different series at the one time because they're all quite short. In the old days, you get long, you know, and it was a little bit easier to track. But when you've got lots of shorter run shows that overlap. Yeah. I can understand. I don't know if I have the same problem, but other people say 
My, my problem is time, which a lot of people yes. have. You can't, but yeah. but just the characters trying to keep track of the plots, you know, and say eight shows going at once, and you're jumping from episode to episode. I can see that's a challenge for people. But then there are some people. We're we're still watching TV old school, where we watch stuff week to week. Um, there are but some we don't have a choice there, for a lot of it. We don't. But there are people out there who I think sit and wait. Who and give go, up? They say, "Okay, get I'm not going to do when that." All four episodes are okay. go, I can binge all four. Yes. And then they sit down and boom, watch it all, all four, all eight. You yeah. know. So th- there's the option now of doing both, isn't there? Mm. I mean, you could have watched. I mean, I watched Deep Water. I watched it a month ago on a website judging something, watched the first two episodes there and then waited all this time. And then when I watched episode three and four, I had to go, okay, where are we again? Mm. Oh, thank God there's a recap at the beginning. Recaps are important to remind well, you what's yeah, going I, on. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, I think there's the option now with the catch-up services, for example. Yes, you could watch National Treasure every week on the ABC, or you could just wait until the last episode airs and then sit down that weekend and go, I've got four hours of this on iView that I could just, bang, watch in one hit. But, Andrew, the danger is, isn't it, sometimes, that when you do that, the first episode might have already disappeared. They don't seem to keep them all on. No. Um, And I think there's probably different policies for different channels. Yeah different rights agreements, whatever. Right. And that can be very frustrating if yeah. you save up and, oh, look, I've, I've lost that first episode. Yeah, yeah. So then you have to, I don't know, wait till it's on, if it turns up on Netflix or Stan later in life, or you have to go and buy them off iTunes or something. Yeah, yeah, that would be frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. So catch-up is not a perfect solution yeah. just yet, is it? Look, the, well, I just think that we're lagging behind in catch-up. I mean, if you look at the UK catch-up, for example, I see on the UK catch-up box sets all the time there, mm. our series. But you're right. If something goes to air, you It doesn't don't always have a last till the to end of series. No. So I've just noticed that on SBS and the ABC. Right. You've got to keep an eye on it for those they say expiring right, in whatever yeah. days. Yeah, I mean, tracking that stuff's annoying. Foxtel does seem to keep them up a little bit longer. Okay, you that notice makes sense. in yeah. catch up because their their library's very deep. Yeah, and it can actually take you quite a bit of time, can't it? When you searching through for some of those shows, you you click through all those windows and. Um, I, I I wondered the other day. I saw you know the actors are coming up soon, and they're presented by Presto. And I just thought, oh, oh my God, really? That's a disaster, isn't it? <laughs> are they going to change that? Well, presumably. And say the actors are presented by Foxtel Play or Foxtel Go or whatever the Anytime Presto customers are being moved it's over It's play, to. isn't it? Is it play? It's play. Yeah. So what's Anytime? Well, I think any- Anytime is the catch-up service for yes. both Foxtel and Foxtel Play. I do get confused. I think So do I. I'm, I keep calling them Anytime or yeah. Play. And- Foxtel Go is when you can go off and watch Foxtel Live or catch up on your device. Yes. Foxtel, Foxtel Play, Play is, is subscribing a, only. A separate, you're not online. A, you don't subscribe to Foxtel at house, but you can subscribe Correct, to an yes. online version yep, of digital, it, right? Yep. And, and then that's anytime, where the Presto customers are going. And any time is the catch-up service for any of those. If we're a Foxtel offers. subscriber, then you've got this other opportunity to watch yeah, things as well. Yeah, and there's different levels, I think, depending your on your subscription. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's confusing. Any other shows you wanted to mention? Um, I've watched the one and a half episodes of the third series of The Fall, which oh, okay. is the Gillian Anderson, yep. uh, what's the name of the dude that's in the 50... 50- 
Shades of Grey movie, yes. Jamie Dornan, yeah, that's maybe. Him, that's him, yeah. Um, so this is the one where he's a serial killer, and at the end of uh, series two, he was shot just as Gillian Anderson was going in to arrest him, or she'd just arrested him, and he got shot. So the first episode starts, and it's in hospital trying to save his life, and the whole thing pretty much takes place in hospital. And it's just aired in the UK, and I know the... They weren't kind to it over there. They said, what, has this show turned into an episode of Casualty? I mean, <laughs> please. Um, in a, the ep- second episode of what I've seen, it's starting to get a little bit interesting because this serial killer, he has a young daughter and a wife, and the young daughter has just gone online and discovered that her dad is in hospital and what he's done. So we're obviously going to look at the fallout of that because he was a great family man, this guy. Mm. That's what the, one of the creepiest things about the show. He tucks his daughter into bed and then when oh, she's no. asleep, well, so he climb up into the crawl space that a bit and hide. I, mean, I found that a bit hard to buy, though, in that. I loved that first season. I, yeah. I haven't got into the second one, but I just found that, okay, yeah, family tucks everyone up in bed, then he's off, you know, chopping up people or whatever yeah, he does. And then back, back before they're up. Oh, yeah. hello. How you going? Have a good day. <laughs> yeah, when does he say? It just doesn't doesn't resonate. And I kept thinking, and they got, came so close to getting him all the time. Yeah. Well, they've got him, yeah. and he's in hospital. But they didn't get him to the end of second season. No, that's right. Yeah. And this is the third and final season. There's no, okay. there's, there's six episodes, and yeah. then we're finishing. But so. I love watching Gillian Anderson. Oh, I just, she, she's great, isn't she? She's, oh, she's magnificent in it. Just wonderful. There's, yeah. She just... So easy and casual in the role. Yeah. It's almost effortless. She just And so stylish. She just too. turns up. She hasn't got to do much. She just no. looks great and Well, she does grab a detective for a bit of rumpy pumpy every now and then in her room. She's been known to do that. It's an in- she's a very interesting character. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Is that sort of it? Any other recommendations? Oh, that's sort of it, I think. Yep. I can't think of anything else. So we've only got um it's hard to imagine. We've only got like six weeks, seven, yeah. seven weeks left as we record this of survey year left. We're definitely at the tail end of the year, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, so a lot of it's winding up, you know. Yeah. So um be interesting to see. The upfronts are coming up. I guess we'll talk about those over the, the next few weeks, um, both seven, nine, ten. I think SBS is having on. I don't think the ABC is. I'm not yeah, right. too sure. Uh, ten's having a breakfast this year. I think seven's early evening. Nine are having actually half a day. And they're promising sort of celebrity guests, so right. it's uh, some real difference there. So of what what each uh, station is pitching. Yep. Um, and do you you don't watch Survivor? No. Survivor, Look, I, t- I wanted to. I tried to, but it was just too much of a commitment. Once they went to three nights a week, I went. I'm not doing this. Yeah, I'm not, I try and make sure I at least catch all the tribal councils. Yeah, they've done such a great job. I mean, Shine just. That show looks so good. I just love those beachy scenes where it's obviously hot, yeah. the sun's out, they just capture it very well, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think I've done a great job. I'm pretty sure 10 will commission that next year. Again, the numbers aren't huge. But, They're not huge. But in the demos, it off, it's usually number one. So advertisers, yeah. I would imagine, would be happy. And it's rebooting the franchise here, isn't it, you know. So I think um, I'd be... Pretty surprised if that didn't come back this Although year. Although have Nine dropped Survivor from their main channel and they're bumping it to go? Oh, good question. Because I so, saw TV Tonight report that they're going to air a Donald Trump roast next week. And when I went to look at TV Week at what was in the slot, that was the Survivor slot. So I, it looks to me like they're bumping Survivor to go. Well, on Thursday this week, they, which was the Survivor slot last week, they had that bloody William Shatner 2006 yeah. roast. And David Knox and is it was just highly... just really poor numbers. Yeah. 
And David Knox has been highly critical of the airing of the Trump roast in light of his comments this week, and I kind of agree with him. I mean, well, they're always in such poor taste. Those roasts, they're. Um, and you know, I watched that Rob Lowe one the other week. Yes, so did I. Very blue, Ooh. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, the stuff. I quite like though that they get away yeah, with all that too. stuff. Yeah, and it's very you know politically incorrect. Oh wow. yeah. You know, the stuff they do. You can see even some of the, the people on the panel sort of shaking. What about go, wow, Ann Coulter on the it? Rob Lowe <laughs> roast? <laughs> the things they said well, about oh, her while she was sitting right there. I know, and she's just got Ooh. this weird grin on her face all the way through it. And she's obviously thinking, I'm here to plug my book. I'm here yeah. to plug my book. Put up with it. You know, there is a point. You know. And then she got up and tried and her, to oh, jokes her and they didn't laugh. Her the routine, how bad was it? Oh. <laughs> and the audience hated her. I was just cringing, oh. going, this, I don't think I can watch I mean, it's this. probably worth trying to track down if Nine have got it on Nine now, isn't it? Because well, Nine seemed to get, and Zap the Comedy Channel airs them first, and then yeah. Nine seemed to get second run of them. Yeah, I don't know. Could Nine show those current ones, though? I don't think. They're just so rude. To the best of my knowledge, they don't censor them. They put language. Oh, yeah, well, they had some, up, yeah, but they? I just, those old ones are reasonably tame compared to these most yeah. recent ones. Yeah. I mean, that, oh, that Rob Lowe one, wow. I mean, he had yeah. his wife and his kids in the audience, but they're all adult kids, though. <laughs> some of the stuff they said about him and his sex tapes. And yeah. Things he would have gotten up to. Um, I will give a shout out to the Comedy Channel for fast tracking as fast as they possibly can Saturday Night Live. Right. I mean, we can't literally watch it express from the US because it'd be Sunday here. I mean, we could, but they're airing the new Saturday Night Live a week later on comedy and it's... On Saturday night? The first episode was Margot Robbie was guest host. Oh, yep. She was playing Ivanka Trump and she was hilarious. And you've got Alec Baldwin playing Donald Trump. I yes. mean, it's just... it's the We all remember Tina Fey playing Sarah Palin all those years back, don't mm. we? And now we've got Alec Baldwin playing Trump and it's I'd say it's only going to get funnier and funnier as the week's tick. On. It always surprised me how a good actor can nail a character, and even just even though you might think there's a resemblance, a little bit of makeup and a wig or something, yeah. you just you buy it completely, don't yeah. you? you know, <laughs> they do such a good job, yeah, particularly on that show. Funny stuff, uh, and of course the American elections creeping up on us. Sure is. We're already mid uh, mid October. It's just fortnight away, really. Yeah, you know, three weeks. So going to be some fascinating um, TV surrounding that whole thing. Did you watch that second debate at all? Absolutely. It was amazing, wasn't it? It was interesting as the numbers were down in the US, where I think a few things, okay, people are consuming it in different ways, but... And it was up against the football too, wasn't it? Yeah, but I'm just thinking, some people said, look, I've had enough. Yeah. You know? Yep, there's there's definitely a switch-off factor. There was that massive Trump uproar, all that couple of days before it was that, that... Billy Bush tape and all that stuff. Yeah. I reckon some people thought, oh, please, no more. And it looks like Billy Bush stop. has been Lost set free from gig, yeah. today. Yeah. He's gone. I thought it was very interesting. Didn't get reported a lot on the, the press here, but I sorted out um, Ariane Zucker, who was the actress from Days of Our Lives, yes. who's still in the show. Yes. And the statement she released, oh, she eviscerated him. She never mentioned Trump by name. Really? But she gave a really classy response like, you know, you know, I prefer to treat people with dignity and respect, and it's a shame that people in positions of a power abuse and disrespect. And that's kind of her response. She never mentioned him by name, but by God, she let so her feelings known. Billy Bush is tainted by this because he was an accomplice and he didn't. 
Well, he was sort of in sort on that of, conversation. Yeah. He was going along with yeah. it. And he didn't sort of uh, go, hey, you know, you shouldn't yeah. talk like no, that. Yeah, no, no, no. He was, he was in, almost encouraging yeah. the, the banter. and Absolutely. They were kind of in on that chat together. And I understand why NBC have gotten rid of him because it, it did reflect yeah. badly on him when you – I know all the attention was on Trump, but when you sat down and looked at Billy Bush, and he, he looks like a bit of a – Dishback to begin with, sorry, Billy, but he does. And when you actually sat and looked at his role in this too, because he says when they get off the bus, he says to Ariane Zucker, "I'll oh, go on, give the Donald a, I know. a hug." Yeah, that's awkward, and you just it? think, after what you've just said on the bus, you're creepy. Yeah. That's that's wrong. Yeah. Was there any sort of implied thing that he might have? I guess he wouldn't have anything to do with the release of it, the tape, because it wouldn't. It didn't make no, him look it good. No, reflected very, very badly on yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right, Andrew Mercado, right, great to have you in here. Thank you, James. Thank you again. Um, we'll talk again soon. You bet. You can catch uh, all our Media Week podcasts at mediaweek.com.au. Thanks for listening.